This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. Coming up on this week's show, William gives us a review of Norwegian Encore, and staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise news. Cruise Radio News are daily three things you need to know Monday through Friday. You can find that just opposite of here by punching in Cruise Radio News or check it out on our YouTube channel in, well, obviously video form. All right, staff writer Richard Sims is here. Hey, my friend. Hey, Doug. The Grand Turk cruise port could reopen to ship soon. Yeah, this is kind of unexpected. We thought that Grand Turk probably wouldn't open up to cruise ships again until sometime in 2022. But it's looking as if we might might possibly see them as at the end of 2021. They might be like in December. It turns out that uh, Carnival has apparently been having some conversations with Grand Turk. The premier there sort of addressed the people because he knows that the Turks and Caicos area is really very, very much hard hit by the lack of tourism in general and cruise ships in particular. So he kind of wanted to assure people that not only are the cruise ships going to be returning, he says by the end of 2021, we haven't heard anything, you know, really official from the cruise lines on that. But he also talked about how much money is being poured in. They're spending like $2 million on a new area for the vendors to to sort of sell their wares. They're pouring money. They have grants available for people who operate tourism based uh, operations like, you know, whether it's a tram service or a uh, taxi service or anything like that. So they've got a lot of different things that they're pouring money into there. And hopefully, you know, we'll see it sooner rather than later. In 2019, when everything was jumping with the cruise industry, nearly one million people visited the Grand Turk cruise port, which was mind blowing because that's like how much Alaska gets a year. Well, I won't lie. I'm um, right now. I'm on a cruise that may or may not be visiting Grand Turk in December, and I've always wanted to go to Grand Turk, so I'm kind of hoping that we actually make it. Was it? Uh, is it still on the itinerary for you? It is at the moment. It's on the yeah. itinerary at the moment. I spoke to someone recently who said that they'd heard rumblings that we might stop there, but uh, the earlier cruises, like in November and stuff, have had Grand Turk replaced on their itinerary. So I'm holding out hope that even though it's early December, that I might actually get to Grand Turk. And more Carnival Corporation ships return to service this week. I know it seems like we do this story a lot. You know, every week we have new ships returning to service, but it's exciting every single time, especially after, you know, 19 months of no cruise ships. We're very happy to be able to spread the word about new ships returning and sailing again. In this case, it's Carnival Freedom, which started sailing out of Miami, and the Koningsdam from Holland America is sailing out of San Diego on Sunday. Uh, Elation, Carnival Elation, sailed out of Port Canaveral on Monday. You know, it's just... Every single time we've got good news, and that's what we've really been waiting for. We're hoping by next year that we won't even have to do this type of story, that you know, maybe by summer of next year, every cruise line will have all of the ships in their fleet sailing, and it will no longer be a big deal. In fact, we can go back to reporting the other kind of news that we really like, which is new ships as opposed to just the old ships returning. Also want to add that Royal Caribbean's Serenade of the Seas will return from the Port of Tampa coming up this Saturday. So lots of restarts from Florida. Very cool to see. And the West Coast, too. And speaking of the West Coast, San Francisco reopened to cruise ships earlier this week. 
this is another one of those great stories because for the first time in 19 months, a cruise ship actually made it to San Francisco. Now, you were actually on the ship in question, but not when it stopped in San Francisco. You were on it the week before when uh, when it did a three-day cruise and you went to San Diego. But this was a seven-night cruise on Majestic Princess with Princess Cruise Lines, and they were the first ship to visit San Francisco. And what's really important about this is not only that the cruise ship is sailing and not only that it has paying guests on board and not only that it's the first ship to you know sail into this particular port but it's so good for everyone involved especially the local community you know the the economies of every port that's been uh, impacted by this are are it's almost impossible to sort of understate how much they suffer when the cruise ships aren't coming in so this is yet another good news story we've got a lot of good news we're reporting this week you know, the West Coast has always been kind of the stepchild of the cruise industry, right? Because uh, Florida gets all its attention and so does Galveston and, you know, New, New York, New England kind of during the Canada, New England season. But we never really talk about like California coastal cruises or the Mexican Riviera cruises. But I have to say, after being out there over the past year and a half, three times, uh, the first time on Carnival Panorama and, and then this majestic princess sailing, I, I want to experience and do more West Coast itineraries. You know what's interesting about that? You're right. We don't really talk about the West Coast very often. And what's interesting is the West Coast is sort of responsible for the rebirth in the interest in cruising. Because if you think back, the Love Boat, which like, you know, really kind of put cruising on everybody's mind. It, you know, it was on every Saturday night. It was one of the number one shows on television. And all of a sudden people were like, hey, that looks like something I want to do. And that took place on the Pacific Princess, which was at the time sailing out of Los Angeles. So like the West Coast really at the time was was booming as far as the cruise industry was concerned. But in the last like couple of decades, it's really shifted more to Florida. Yeah, definitely. Nearly a quarter million guests have cruised Carnival Cruise Line in the past three months. This is really, really another good news story. It's another amazing story. This We've had 98 voyages sail since July 3rd, when Carnival Vista sailed out of Galveston. A week later, you were on the next ship to sail out. Since then, there have been 237,000 guests who've sailed just on Carnival Cruise Line ships. What's kind of fun is Carnival to celebrate to send out this infographic, and it had some really, really fun stuff on it. I mean, I think you're personal favorite was that 500,000 guys burgers mm-hmm. have been served. <laughs> now, think about that for a second. 237,000 people sailing, 500,000 guys burgers eaten. That means on average people are eating two burgers per trip. Right. So, you know, Chew on that, as they say. Mm -hmm. There were also 323,000 chocolate melting cakes served. There were 608,000 beer served. What's really interesting to me is 11,000 guests have ridden on the Bolt, which is the roller coaster on Mardi Gras. So what's what's kind of cool about that is when you think about it, we're talking about 237,000 guests overall on all the ships. On just the Mardi Gras, 11,000 people have gotten to experience that roller coaster on top of the ship. And, you know, we've heard a lot about the onboard spend that, uh, you know, that people are, are when they get on the ship, they are really excited and they're spending more money on sort of, you know, accessories and meals out and things like that. To that end, 220,000 different items of Carnival-branded merchandise have been sold. That's a lot. There's also been 180,000 shore excursions taken by guests on Carnival ships. So, you know, it's not an understatement to say cruising is back and in a big way. What's kind of neat is these are all things that have happened with, you know, 
fewer ships sailing at reduced capacity. So when we get back to normal, imagine what these numbers will be. We'll circle. We'll circle back here in just a couple of moments after our next story. Uh, I want to talk about the casino program and uh, just some things happening with that. Our final talking point, another cruise line as a second world cruise. Yeah, this is also kind of weird because it's two MSC ships. So they are both sailing out of the same port on the same day. They're going to be doing different itineraries, but they both sail on January 4th out of, I will butcher this, I'm going to sit just say Rome. It's basically the port in Rome, right? Rome, (laughs) Italy. They're doing simultaneous world cruises, both leaving at the same time, but taking different routes. Um, It's the Magnifica, which is an MSC ship that's joining the MSC Posia. They're both doing world cruises in 2023. We've seen a real increase in world cruises over the last couple of years. You know, they've always existed, but rarely did you have lines doing two at the same time. Uh, Viking also has two cruises that are basically leaving at the same time. They're a few days apart, but it's essentially the same time in 2023. So, you know, apparently people have the time and the money and maybe having spent all this time sitting at home locked up and, you know, they've been able to save money and they've got vacation days to burn and they're like, okay, you know what? Now's the time to take 156 days and sail around the world. Listener question. The first one comes from Carol. By the way, you can send your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. That's D-O-U-G. If you've got a minute, could you tell me about the COVID home test for Royal Caribbean? And can that be done any time during the day or night? We are heading to Miami two days before the cruise and need to be at the airport by 9 a.m. on a Thursday for a Saturday sailing. It'd be nice if we can do the test before we get on the plane. You definitely can. What's really good is that most of the places that are doing these tests. And, you know, the the reason that you have to worry about the time is that you only have 48 hours before you get on the ship that you have to have the test. But the test also, if you're doing an at-home test, has to be supervised. So you have to get a uh, an actual medical professional on the computer and they have to watch you do it so that they confirm that you have the negative test and then they send you the test results that the cruise line will accept. The good news is that they don't necessarily go by the time of day. So it's not really 7 a.m. that matters. It's the day that you do it. And you have to do it within 48 hours, uh, which is funny. They, they say 48 hours, but what they really mean is two days. They're going by the day, not the hour. So yes, if you take it at 7 a.m. on Thursday, you will be fine on Saturday. And the next question is about Carnival's new Mardi Gras. They have a question about Carnival Kitchen. How much does it cost? What is involved? And how do we make reservations for it? Is this like a chef's table experience? It is not like a chef's table. Um, It's much more like if you went to your local uh, community college and took a cooking class. Basically, you want to, if you want to do this, you want to sign up for it as soon as possible. That is something I have learned the hard way. You go on your cruise planner, and when they are available for booking, they will show up. You don't really get a notification of this, so you kind of want to keep your eye on it. I noticed that on my particular cruise, the reservations for things like the chef's table and Rudy's Sea Grill opened a couple weeks weeks before the actual carnival kitchen did. There are a slew of classes. There's everything from if you want to bake cupcakes, if you want to learn how to make tailgate food. They have a a smoke master and pit grill class. They have a pizza making class. Uh, they, they tend to run anywhere from about 45 minutes to an hour, and they cost $30 
per person per class. From what I can tell so far, all of the classes I've looked at have the exact same price point. They are $30 no matter what. They have a special space in which they do it. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it is the space that they also do the chef's kitchen or the chef's table in, but it is not a chef's table experience. The chef's table, which is also something you want to book as soon as you know you want it, is something that only about, I think it's like 12 to 14 people do, and they do it four or five times a week. And it costs $99 per person. You do need reservations for that. And they are kind of hard to get. If you get on the ship and you haven't been able to get reservations, whether it's for the chef's table or for the carnival kitchen, then, you know, that doesn't mean you won't necessarily be able to get in. Go to guest services, put your name on a list, you know, check back, see if they have reservations. It's the same as with um, Bonsai Sushi, which, for example, they now on Mardi Gras do lunch at Bonsai Teppanyaki. And that can be a very hard reservation to get. But they do have cancellations. So make sure you keep checking back and try and get that. All right. So I want to circle back to this carnival jackpot payout thing and the $80,000. I, I don't know. You keep a close eye on this. I'm not, I'm not a gambler, but... I've talked to three different people this week and each person, one person won $5,000 in slots, uh, one person won $3,000 in a jackpot and one person won $1,000 in jackpot cash. And each one of those people were offered a free cruise during their sailing. Are, are they kind of lowering the bar just to get people to spend to get those free cruises? I mean, have you heard anything on this? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, I have heard some crazy cruise rates, you know, like casino gamblers being being offered like, you know, a week on a ship for $75, you know, that kind of thing. But I, I don't know if they necessarily need to make those kind of offers. What's You know, we've heard so much about the pent-up demand that you kind of have to assume that there might not be, you know, a, a need to necessarily do that because if there's all that demand, you don't necessarily really have to pay people to get on your ship. You don't have to give away sailings. And that is something that, you know, they've always used in the past during slow seasons. If it's a mm -hmm. particularly slow season, you might send out a special offer to casino guests knowing that not only, yeah, you're going to lose a little money on the actual cruise fare, but they're going to sit in the casino all day and gamble. So yeah, it'll be interesting to track that over the next few months and see if, if we keep hearing those stories about the big wins and the offers of a free cruise. That one time I stuck that $20 in the Wheel of Fortune machine on Sunshine, we were in, uh, in New York. I'm still getting casino offers on that $600 I won, what, two years ago, two and a half? Funny, because different cruise lines, you know, I have done the majority of my gambling on Norwegian Cruise Line. And from everything I'm hearing right now, it's very difficult to get any kind of deal on a Norwegian Cruise Line, you know, if you're looking for the casino deals. Uh, Carnival seems to be quite a bit looser with it. I get emails almost every day from Carnival, and I haven't done a great deal of gambling on Carnival ships. I do plan to in December, so, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll start getting some of those amazing deals, too. Been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. Richard, thanks for your time, my friend. As always, my friend. Have a question for the experts, or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. 
How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. You have questions. We have answers. Get the whole story on cruiseradio.net. William and his wife just returned from a seven-night cruise to Southeast Alaska on board Norwegian Encore. I know you're probably thinking, just returned from Alaska, but it's uh, here we are in October. But yeah, Alaska is longer this year. How you doing, William? Very well, thank you. I'm very curious to talk about this Alaska cruise for a couple of reasons. One, as you just mentioned, very late in the season. But two, this was in the Haven on board Norwegian Encore. So uh, let's talk about the experience first. What made you want to book this cruise to Southeast Alaska on Norwegian Encore? Well, we were excited just to get back out there and cruise. We had about half a dozen cruises canceled before we actually got on this one. In fact, our travel agent said, when we booked this, are you sure you want to do this? And I said I was willing to take the chance because we'd had so many canceled. So we were excited just to be out there and uh, be on a ship again. When it came to cruise cancellations, there were two kind of cruisers. Get the refund or take the onboard credit and future cruise credit. Actually, we did a little combination of both, mm-hmm. but mostly we just took the refund. You're in the Huntington Beach area and you made your way up to Seattle. Any pre-cruise time before boarding Encore? Just uh, the day before we got in, and um, in the morning we had some friends who lived up there, and so we had breakfast with them, and it's, uh, Seattle's a nice city, and so we enjoyed the uh, surrounding area and the views and such, but not a great deal of time. All right, it's time to embark the ship. The Pier 4 NCL in Seattle is right downtown, correct? Yes. Okay. In fact, our hotel was right across from the dock, so we just literally rolled our luggage across the way. With every cruise line doing embarkation differently as far as either testing or staggered embarkation, what have you, how was your embarkation process for Encore? It was wonderful. Like many of the cruises now, they have the preset times, which I think is a terrific idea. It made it easy. In fact, I actually hope they continue that even after the pandemic because I think it just expedited the whole process. And so we just enjoyed it immensely because uh, you get in there and you do your paperwork and then you take your test and then you go to a room for a little bit. I think we waited about 20 minutes and then they notified us and we just walked on the ship. Being booked in the Haven, did you have any kind of priority embarkation or anything like that? I know that, you know, with COVID, everything is different. Like Royal Caribbean and Carnival were doing away with faster to the fun and priority embarkation. Or was it embarking with the regular guests? Well, yes. We were with the regular cruisers until we checked in formally, uh, which was after the test. And then they actually escort you onto the ship with one of the people from the Haven. And for me, it was interesting. As we were walking onto the ship, the person told us we could take our masks off and that we didn't need to put them back on as long as we were on the ship. Wow. And so that was wonderful. We enjoyed that great deal. Yeah, I bet. Now, with testing at the pier, did you have to do any kind of pre testing before the test? I know like some cruise lines want to have that like double protection there with a PCR or antigen before you actually take their test at the pier. Uh, They recommended it, but did not require it. So you make your way on board Norwegian Encore. What were your first impressions? It's a beautiful ship. We've been on similar types of breakaway class ships, but you know, it's relatively brand new. They in fact are promoting the idea that it's still part of the inaugural cruise, Mm -hmm. although it was out of commission for about a year plus. 
uh, and it's just beautiful. Everything is spick and span, and we uh, just really enjoyed not only the ship itself, but the uh, crew, because the crew was so friendly. And just, I think, actually happy to have us there. It's weird hearing you say that it's, you know, practically brand new, but I mean, I was on the ship in November of 2019. And so, yeah, I guess you only sailed for a couple of months before March 2020 rolled around. Yes. Before we get to the Haven cabin, uh, what separates the Haven area from regular parts of the ship? I've never actually stayed in the area before, so I have no clue. Well, I think there are quite a few things, actually. We stayed in the two-bedroom, and it's uh, fairly large for um, compared to most cruise cabins. But in addition, the Haven has its own dining room, which is just quite large. It has its own bar. It has its own concierge area. It has uh, its own pool. It has an obser- observing uh, lounge in the front of the ship. And they have a similar one above it for uh, the rest of it, but this is exclusive for the Haven. It also has its own sun deck. It's just a very nice experience, to be quite honest with you. We, we enjoy the space and the room. Norwegian promotes it as a ship within a ship, mm-hmm. and it really is exclusive because you have to use a key card to get in and out, that kind of thing. So it's, they make it very, very comfortable, and uh, it's a real pleasure to be there. I know when they were telling us, okay, we're going to take you up to the pool in the Haven area, I was thinking, how can there be a big uh, pool in the Haven? It's probably going to be like a whirlpool, but it's actually like a legit pool in the Haven on Encore. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It has a nice seating area around it as well as some mm-hmm. uh, part of the pool is, has seats in it. Yeah, that's awesome. What was the category of the room you booked in the Haven? Two-bedroom family suite. There you go. So you're in the two-bedroom family suite in the Haven. What were the amenities? What did you think of the room? Plenty of balcony space? It was classified as a large balcony, Mm -hmm. and it was larger than, I think, most, uh, although I've had larger and smaller balconies on ships that I've been on, but it was very adequate for when we were out there, um, when it wasn't too cold or rainy. It has a nice living room area. It has a table and chairs. It has a coffee bar, uh, two bathrooms, very comfortable, king-size bed. And all the plugs, like the USB by the bed and on the vanity? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, very cool. Well, let's talk about the dining on board. Now, of course, you have your own dining room up there in the Haven. How much did you utilize that against going down to the specialty restaurants? Well, in the morning and um, sometimes for lunch, we would use the uh, dining room in the Haven. But uh, in the evening, I think we did five meals in specialty restaurants Actually, one of them was at the local, which used to be the same as Oceans, for those who are familiar with Norwegian, uh, but it's, it's called the local now. And the other two nights, we had dinner in the Haven itself. Their menu is uh, set, but there's enough variety on it so that you can eat there um, at least a few times and not have to repeat uh, anything. Yeah, because Norwegian downstairs has like a, the three dining room. I think it's one savor, one's taste, and there's another one at the like a Manhattan room or something like that. Um, how yeah. different were the menus? Like, were there better cuts of beef in the Haven or what have you? Well, I think uh, everything we had was actually a very good quality. I don't no complaints about anything they served us. They um, always did it uh, very nicely, and so I think the food probably is a very good quality. And I don't, I'm not saying anything against the quality. In the rest of the ship, but I do think it's a very high quality. Very good. How about the specialty restaurants you went to? Cagney's was one of them that we went to, and uh, it's a steakhouse, and we um, had uh, filet mignon, and it was delicious, and I um, enjoyed it a great deal. Everything we had at Cagney's was actually very good, and I think it's my wife's favorite. 
So what was the next restaurant? Uh, the next one, I think, was Los Lobos, which mm-hmm. is a new experience for us because it's a Mexican restaurant. Being here in Southern California, we have Mexican food quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But I would say this is just as good as any Mexican restaurant I've been to here. And one of the things that was a standout for, for me, we're not big dessert eaters, but they um, recommended this thing called uh, Tres Leche, mm-hmm. the type of cake. Yeah. And um, I was blown away. It was absolutely delicious. It's called, I think its translation is three milk. It was a very moist cake that had flavor that would not stop. I enjoyed it. My wife and daughter enjoyed it as well, but not as much as I did. I'm, and so, but the Mexican food was great. I'm trying to think of it. Los Lobos. Is that the one that's on the very aft end of the ship that's kind of right above the main dining room? And then just opposite of that is Cagney's? Yes. Okay. They're right next to each other, yes. Wow, I'm surprised I remember that. And then where'd you dine after Los Lobos? Uh, we went to uh, Q Smokehouse. In fact, we did that twice. And we enjoyed um, the barbecue-type uh, meats. And because we enjoyed it, uh, we did it twice. And we thought that it's one of the, it's a real sensation for us. So we enjoyed it. And uh, we especially like in, it's not in the usual package, but we had them take the chicken out and put turkey in. And that was delicious. Yes. And the brisket was good. All of it was good. Did you have the banana cream pie? You know what? Again, we're not much on dessert. I was tempted, but we did mm-hmm. not do that. Yeah, the presentation itself is totally worth it, and I will put that up against any cruise ship barbecue restaurant. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I, it's, it, that's, I think it's definitely my favorite on Norwegian as well. And any others? Um, we went to the local, but then other than that, we just ate in the Haven restaurant. How about any of the poolside offerings, like that diner up there above, atop of the pool deck or burgers or anything? We didn't uh, do that. We're very conscious of what we eat, and so we don't, we don't do a lot of the snacking kind of thing. I think a lot of us can learn from you, William. <laughs> yes. No desserts, being conscious and not grabbing pizza at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you're definitely uh, who I want to be. Let's talk about the entertainment on board. Now, with this being, uh, we'll say, a startup environment, did you have to make reservations? Actually, I think with Norwegian, you have to make reservations for a lot of shows anyways. But for shows that didn't require reservations before COVID, were reservations required? Well, actually, we tried to make reservations ahead of time online, but mm-hmm. they would not let you make any reservations online for any of the entertainment. Uh, they said you'd have to do that when you got on the ship. Well, we um, did try to make reservations, but the ship um, was actually at about half capacity. One person who was on staff told me it was 48%. Mm-hmm. And so while the concierge said that you could get reservations, you really didn't need reservations because of the capacity. Uh, one of the shows we went to was the uh, uh, Beatles tribute group that they have there. And literally, the theater was filled. And at half capacity, that was surprising to me. But it was very well received, and we enjoyed that a great deal. Uh, the other one that we wanted to see was the Choir of Man. But unfortunately, they had some kind of problem. They had to cancel that for the uh, duration of the cruise. Were the Beatles performing in the cavern or the main theater? It, it both. They okay. were in the uh, cavern and the main theater. We, saw, we watched them in both venues as well. Mm-hmm. We went to the uh, regular show uh, in the uh, theater and enjoyed that immensely. And apparently everybody else did, too. And then we went to the cavern one of the night. Does the Haven have any kind of entertainment, uh, smooth, um, my mind goes to like either violins or piano music up there? No. Okay. Nothing special like that for the, uh, for the group. So I'm not crazy. You know what I'm saying though? Like if you're in a lounge, sometimes you hear like uh, the strings playing or the keyboard playing. I think it would be great. Yeah, I'm, in fact, I might recommend that to them. I think <laughs> that would be a tremendous idea. 
Yeah, nice little step up there. Now, how was the ship? I mean, you're only at, what, 48, 49% capacity, so I'm sure it wasn't crazy on sea days. But how did the ship handle itself on sea days, or from your perspective? Uh, very, uh, very well, to be honest with you. We've been in Alaska before, where we've been in rough seas, and this was just as smooth as it could have been. Once in a while, you, you did feel kind of a little movement, but that was pretty minimal, to be honest with you. There was, there was no difficulty. So I, I think the ship is well-designed to be able to uh, make this kind of run. How was the observation area actually being in Alaska? Because when I did it, we were in the Caribbean. I'm like, okay, it's kind of cool seeing, uh, you know, in front of the ship this high. But I can only imagine, like, you know, being on Norwegian Encore in Alaska, that had to be like the pinnacle. Really. Uh, the um, Glacier Bay uh, was especially gorgeous during, uh, through the observation lounge. We did go outside a little bit, too, because there's a deck up above that you can go out. But it was kind of cold. Needless to say, and so we went there, and then they were having a demonstration with the National Park Service in the um, other observation deck, and we went there, and that was just a little bit crowded, but that's understandable because everybody wants to be out there to see Glacier Bay. It's it was uh, it's an experience you don't want to miss. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about the ports of call you went to on this seven night cruise. So, what was the first port, and give us a highlight. Uh, I believe the first port was um, Hunan, and our icy straits. And uh, the highlight for us was that we took a Jeep tour, and it allowed us to go into other parts of the island that normally you wouldn't. And we had a guide who was uh, an elder of the uh, tribe that resides there, and he gave us not only uh, a tour of sites around the island, but also gave us some of the uh, background of the tribe and uh, how they developed and how they continue in their traditions. So that was a highlight for me. I enjoyed that a great deal. Have they opened up the gondola yet that goes to the top of the mountain from right there at the pier? It wasn't running this time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I can't say for certain, but nobody was on it when we were there. Yeah. I know when Norwegian developed uh, Huna, they were very instrumental and very cautious to preserve the cultural heritage in the area. So what, uh, where'd you go next? After Icy Strait Point, we went to Juneau. And Juneau is a city we've been to a number of times before. And that day, we were going to take the gondolas up to the top of Mount Roberts, but because it was raining, we decided against it because we thought the view would be impaired. And later on, we were talking to some other uh, travelers, and they said, oh, they'd gone up there, and it was beautiful, and we missed the bet on that one. So, But we enjoyed that a great deal and um, Juneau. And um, mostly, we just uh, had lunch and walked around, that kind of thing. So... It was different than we had actually planned on. Now, you say you had lunch. Did you go to Tracy's Crab Shack by chance? No. Uh, we knew some people were looking for that. Unfortunately, my wife and daughter are allergic to seafood. Oh, no. Okay. So where'd you go after Tra- uh, not Tracy's? <laughs> where'd you go after Juno? After Juno, I believe the next port that we, because Glacier Bay was in there too, but it was Ketchikan. And Ketchikan, uh, Norwegian has uh, established a new port. They bought a port apparently uh, outside of the city. So we had a nice drive into the city. In there, we had lunch, and we went to um, Annabelle's. I think it was Annabelle's. Okay. Uh, nice place for lunch. It was right on the main drag and did some shopping and walking around. We got there a little bit late, so we had to go back uh, without doing any excursions there. And then after your day at Ketchikan, did you have any other ports, or was it back to Seattle? No. Normally on this, you're probably where normally uh, you go to Victoria and Skagway, but mm-hmm. we didn't get to go to those because, as you know, Canada's closed to us right now. I understand they're going to be opening up very shortly, if not already. 
But uh, we, we like Victoria a great deal, and Skagway is probably one of my favorite cities because of the Old West theme that they have up there. Yeah, I wonder why Skagway was dropped. Is it because it's right there, basically, at the border in the, at the Yukon? Could well be. They did not say why mm. they had dropped it. Yeah. But it's on next year's because we booked for next year around the same time, because despite the weather, we still enjoyed it so much. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, though, because if you're not really going either hiking in Skagway or going to eat seafood right there at the pier, you're probably going to do the White Pass Railroad or go, you know, rent a Jeep and go into the Yukon area. And that is Canada. So I guess it makes sense not to include it for the 21 itinerary. Yeah. And yeah, next time we are going to do the uh, White Pass nice. Railway. Yeah, it's beautiful up there. So you're back in Seattle. How was Debark? It was a dream, honestly. I'm so used to always having to have the uh, passports in my hand and go through the procedure they do this time. It was a simple, you walked up to this camera, they looked at you, you identified, and just walked right off the ship. It was really, it took us from the time we were escorted down to that area uh, to walk off the ship took us mm, five minutes or, or less. And then to get on the bus and we went right to the airport. It was really, it was as smooth as it could have been. Now, before we leave the ship in the dust here, I want to ask you a couple of things about onboard the ship. As far as the casino, from what I remember, it's a smoke-free casino, but there is a smoking room in there? Yes. Okay. The smoke room is in the back. As you're walking towards the back, it's on the right side. But the casino itself, primarily slot machines, few table games, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Uh, with the Wi-Fi connection, I know it can be really hit or miss in the Alaska region. How was it for you on Encore? Not as good as I would like. We bought the high-speed package, or actually I upgraded to the high-speed package. And uh, to be honest with you, I could not stream. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, for getting email and that kind of thing, it was fine. Yeah. But it was, not, it was not the best I've ever had on the ship. The drink package with Norwegian, did that include the Starbucks on the ship? I, no, it does not, I don't. Okay. And then the dining package for the seven nights, you said you had two nights, but because of your status with Norwegian, you got two more? Okay. Now, with that, you're on the hook for gratuities for the uh, specialty restaurants? Yes. We, normally, what we do is, instead of putting it on the uh, tab, mm-hmm. we just give them cash because I know that they uh, appreciate having the cash because they don't have to share that with everybody else. Yeah, no, for sure. No doubt. Looking back on this seven-night cruise aboard Norwegian Encore, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. I, we, we talked about that with, as a family. And for my daughter, believe it or not, it was the uh, Beatles show. She liked nice. that. Uh, and my wife just uh, thought that uh, she was uh, taken by the friendliness of the crew. One of the things, because we sailed on other ships, we actually ran into about eight or ten people who worked on the ship who remembered us. Wow. And that was one of the things that set it apart for her. In, in the Haven restaurant especially, uh, there was a, uh, the, the manager was Mayette. And uh, she was great, and she remembered us. And so it was actually kind of like a homecoming for us in a way. And so that, that was really neat. And to be honest, for me, it was just being there. It was wonderful. I love Alaska. I think it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. I would go back anytime. Now, because you recognized a lot of people and a lot of people recognized you, do you cruise exclusively Norwegian, or do you, do you uh, do other brands too? Uh, over the years, we have cruised many different cruise lines, and we've done a lot of Royal. We've done, you know, actually we've done all the major ones. Because of the Haven, we just enjoy the comfort of the Haven, mm-hmm. and we've kind of steered to that. And I understand now that Celebrity and Royal are starting to do something like it, so we may try that as well. 
Yeah, people thought Norwegian was crazy years ago for starting that, and then now everyone's kind of doing it. Well, I think it's a wonderful idea. Looking back, what were your final thoughts of Norwegian Encore? Oh, I think it's just an absolutely beautiful ship. The people there, even the ones who we didn't know previously, were just very warm and friendly. Uh, I would say it's probably one of the best crews that I've ever worked with. In fact, many of them apparently are going to be transferred to their new ship, the Prima. And so I I think that speaks to the quality of the uh, work they do. Have you booked the Prima yet? Actually, I've looked at it, Mm -hmm. and um, we're not convinced that the uh, trips that they're taking right now uh, are ones that we want to do, but we do plan on doing it. We've been speaking with William about his seven-night cruise up to Alaska on Norwegian Encore out of Seattle. William, thank you so much for stopping by the show and giving your review of a cruise not only so late in the season, but of an almost brand new Norwegian Encore. Have a good one, my friend. Well, thank you. I appreciate um, your work and all that you do. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.